Hi everyone, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here. Dr. Liz, welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Before we jump in, please note that the podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world, so please feel free to contact me through my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z-hypnosis.com. Hello, Hypnotize Me listeners, Dr. Liz here. This is a pretty special episode because I'm reversing my position on something. That's why. Something really big. Um, that's a very popular topic, i.e. weight loss and hypnosis for weight loss. So I originally published an episode, one of my very early episodes, three years ago, over three years ago, actually, episode 20, about why diets don't work and not buying into um, that whole fervor that people get into about weight loss. Okay. And I was looking into the health at every size movement at that point and um, really trying to get on board with that. I myself had some medical issues going on and could not lose weight for the life of me. I'm hypothyroid and I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder. And I think I'm going to say here that I got so much feedback on that episode. It helped to so many people who have been struggling that I think it's still valuable. But I am going to go back and add an intro to the beginning that says, I do think Weight loss can be valuable, though, for a lot of people. And I think that the Health at Every Size movement is missing a big, huge piece. That's what I found. It's really missing a piece. Can you be healthy at every size? Yeah, if your numbers and your labs are coming back great and you don't have um, anything going on physically and you're walking fine and you're moving fine, okay, but I think there's limits to that. There really are. When you get into real obesity, there are true limits to your health because obesity is a risk factor for lots of stuff, lots of really bad diseases, okay? No matter what the health at any size movement wants you to believe, it leads, obesity leads to fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver, which puts you at a higher risk for liver cancer. It's the number one cause of heartburn and GERD, which then puts you at higher risk of esophageal cancer, cancer of the esophagus. You're three times more at risk if you're in the obese category of BMI and two times if you're in the overweight category. Now, that's only a couple of statistics out of hundreds that obesity is a risk factor for. Okay? joint degeneration, joint replacements, and whenever you're having surgery, then you're at risk for complications, all kinds of stuff. I also think the health at any size movement misses a big emotional piece. And I've discussed this with colleagues. I've discussed this with friends in trying to prepare for this episode, actually, because it is all about loving your body at any size. 
And that is so difficult. Okay, I have been there. So I will tell you, I tried my best, okay, to really love myself. When I went in for core healing with my mentor, one of my things was about loving my body more because I was overweight, felt like I couldn't lose weight, um, had tried everything. I mean, all kinds of crazy diets, Weight Watchers. Um, there was one point when I saw a naturopath, which everybody says, see a naturopath, right? At least in the, the U.S. I know that's true in other parts of the world too. She did hair testing. She put me on this diet that was no whites at all, no white flour, no white sugar, no greens except quinoa. It was so restrictive and I stuck to it by the letter for six months and actually gained weight. Okay. So I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, this is, this is awful. She put me on supplements and adrenal supplements. Like she had everything covered. And there was a piece of myself that was like, Okay. I have to accept myself here. I'm going to try my best. And it's just really difficult. It is. It's really difficult. I know someone who is a very kind soul and works with people around eating. And he said to me once, I've never met a happy fat person. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like, okay, I would put myself in the category of a happy fat person. All right. I really would because the majority of my life was happy. I love my kids. I love my work. Um, I love my husband. <laughs> and the majority of my life was happy, but there was this one piece that I really struggled with, even though I knew it wasn't my fault. Like this was not willpower going on. Okay. It had nothing to do with willpower. There's something medically going on. Now, before I go further into my story, I want to say clearly here, you have to tune in into what you want, not what anyone else says that you should want right? Diets don't work because they focus on the weight versus longevity. I still believe that most diets don't work. So they're focusing on just the weight instead of health, your labs, good nutrition, lifestyle changes for the long term. None of them focus on the emotional factors that created the weight. They're focused on behavior change, basically, in the present. And some of them go so far as to say the past doesn't matter, right? I have been in those rooms too, where they're saying the past doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how you got here. Well, from a hypnotherapist and a psychotherapist perspective, the past matters. How you got there matters, Hey, okay? How you didn't take care of your health, or you were struggling, or you were... um distracted by other things, perhaps like, let's say for me, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I would get overwhelmed. I would read some books about thyroid and then I'd get overwhelmed and stop and think, oh my God, I can't do that. I can't make those diet changes. I can't make those medical changes, any of that. Okay. So I take responsibility for that, but the weight continued to go on. I had cataract surgery. I had very early cataracts. So I had cataract surgery and some complications from that that put me on steroid eye drops. Now, typically you're only on steroid eye drops for about two weeks or so, or maybe four weeks, not long. I was on them for months and an additional 10 pounds came on and I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't go buy all new clothes. I love my clothes. You know, I really don't feel comfortable now. 
And this is awful. So that was my own tipping point. Another one was that I was having severe heartburn. Okay, now I was listening to my own hypnosis files for heartburn and GERD and reflux because I had been very successful with clients around this area, but I was having it pretty severely and it was getting progressively worse. And it was so bad one night that I threw up. So my doctor put me on a prescription strength and acid, omeprazole, but just told me to take it as needed. Okay, so I was taking it about once a week or so. Now, I want to say that if you're on this, it is so bad for you. I actually saw a GI specialist and asked him, I was like, is this research that I'm reading on the internet accurate? It has a 70% increased chance of a cardiac event. And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, there should be an 800 number associated with this. And he said, yeah, there should be. Okay. Like it is a really bad medication. And so I was trying to figure out everything that was going on here. I was having severe heartburn. My weight had gone up. I couldn't lose it. And again, I was trying exercise, eating. I was really trying. I couldn't lose it. So I began researching again, what could help. And I even visited like a medical weight loss doctor and he really didn't know anything about thyroid. And I thought, I don't know if this is for me. And I talked to a friend and she said, and she said, Elizabeth, you have a medical problem. You don't have an eating problem. And that's when I decided to see if my own doctor would work with me to figure out the thyroid stuff because I was still having all these thyroid symptoms. And this was just one of them. Now I call myself an ex overeater. Hey, Overeaters Anonymous would not agree with this label. They say once you're an overeater, you're always an overeater. That's true of most of the 12-step programs. But I know as a psychotherapist and hypnotherapist that I could no longer identify with that label and feel good about it. I had kicked the overeating years ago. Now, occasionally it does rear its head, but I'm talking about like once a year or something, you know, not like on a daily basis. I don't have to think about it on a daily basis anymore like I used to. Now, I think that something essential happened the year before. I said a couple minutes ago that when I went to do core healing with my mentor, that I wanted to work on body stuff and truly loving and respecting myself. Okay, now, this was before I met my husband, and I had gone through, once again, another awful, awful relationship. Luckily, it was only about six months, but it was the worst one I had ever been in. And when I called her, I was crying. I said, I never want to do this again, ever. And so she said, come up, we'll do core healing. And she changed my life so much. Oh my gosh, so much personally. And then obviously professionally as well as I began to do core healing myself. But personally, she worked on all these deep parts of me. And one of them was truly loving myself and loving my body. Now I bring this up because I think if that wasn't instilled in me, I do not think that I would have made the changes that I did last year. That came first. After that came, I have to figure this out. I cannot continue to just get fatter and fatter. There's stuff that's going on here physically that's really awful, like the awful GERD and the awful hypothyroid symptoms. 
And so the feeling there is I am worth figuring this out no matter how long it takes, no matter how many doctors I have to see. Now, luckily, my primary doctor, she's a PA, said, I'll work with you. But that's the first question I asked her. Are you willing to work with me? Now, I'm on a lot of Facebook groups with hypothyroid people and this kind of thing. And it's like, they often have to beg their doctors to even run the tests that they need run because they don't educate them in medical school about thyroid. They really don't. So I went in with a sense of compassion, like knowing this person isn't educated about this and asked, are you willing to work with me? If she had said no, I had already made up in my mind, I would continue looking for a new doctor. But she said yes. And I said, thank you so much. I think leading with that question made all the difference in the world. And I told her, okay, I will do the research. I will not get overwhelmed by the books. I read four or five books about hypothyroid, and then of course, internet research, put together the common elements they were all recommending and went back to her with that. Okay. This is what they're all recommending. And one was diet. Now I wasn't happy to hear this because I thought, oh, I've tried every diet in the world, right? But, but I thought, okay, they're all saying to go grain free, not gluten-free. Let me differentiate here, okay? Gluten-free, you can still eat grains. Grain-free is no grains. So that cuts out almost all the processed products and its shelves in the U.S., okay? That cuts out any type of corn, any type of rice, and it's in so much of our food. So once you cut out grain, you really have to eat fresh whole foods, pretty much. I mean, there are some packaged foods like they make it with coconut flour or almond flour, but they're few and far between. But I was like, all right, they are all recommending this. This is what I'm going to have to do. Now, at the same time, she adjusted my medication. And I'm going to talk about this because it's so important. And even the idea of this was from a podcast that I heard where Elvrus, our USS, was interviewed. She writes the book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution. And she was interviewed on the Bulletproof podcast. And I searched up and I found this particular interview where she talks about adding T3 for hypothyroid instead of just being on T4. Now, the vast majority of patients are just on T4 for hypothyroid. And for a lot of people, that works. Because basically what the thyroid is doing is it's not making enough T4. Okay, now, what happens though is that T4 is supposed to convert to T3 in the body. And the T3 is what regulates weight gain and weight loss. And I had all these other symptoms too, like itchy ears that drove me nuts, itchy ankles, dry cracked skin, random nausea and heartburn, bloating, voice changes, which freaked me out since I need my voice for my work, low energy, hair loss. Like I pretty much had all the symptoms of hypothyroid, yet I was on medication for the last 18 years. I started on medication during my very first pregnancy with the red-haired teen. And so I was looking at this list thinking, my medication's not working. Like, why am I even taking this? Really? It's not working. So then that's the test that I had my doctor run is a reverse T3 test, a free T3, a total T3, a free T4, a total T4 in the TSH, and then Hashimoto's antibodies test, so a TPO antibodies test, because I had not even been tested 
for that since I was very first diagnosed 18 years ago. And it turns out I did have a reverse T3 problem, which means that I was not converting the T4 into T3 in my body. So that's why I was having all these symptoms and in particular couldn't lose weight no matter how much exercise I did, no matter what diet I did. Now, adding T3 in felt like a miracle. Okay, the itchy ears went away. The constant napping went away. So I'd have to nap about every two to three hours and I would schedule my clients around the ability to take like a 10 minute nap. That's all I really needed was a 10 minute nap. I could not go on a road trip with my kids without pulling over about every two hours or so and taking a nap. And they knew this. They knew, okay, I'll set a timer. I only need 10 to 12 minutes and then I'll be good to go. But when I added in the T3, that disappeared. And that felt like a miracle to me. Like, oh my gosh, I felt so much more productive and I didn't feel like I was a slave to sleep. So I would wake up at 6.30, get the kids off to school and then have to nap at like 8.45 and then start a client at 9 or 9.15 or 9.30, something like that. So I want to say a lot of that went away and encourage you, if you have a medical problem, start with hypnosis. All right. I know you didn't expect me to say that. <laughs> I think you expected me to say, go see your doctor, right? But start with hypnosis in terms of valuing yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to value myself enough to figure this out, to be persistent, to keep searching until I find the solution here. I think that's the underlying belief that's necessary. Now, another thing that was really important is when I committed to going grain free, I thought, how am I going to do this? Like, I know I'm going to choose to do this, but how am I going to do this? And at the time, I heard a podcast interview with Glenn Livingston, who writes, Never Binge Again. Now, I wasn't a binger anymore. Like I said, that had been years since I binged. But his interview was fascinating to me in terms of how he talked about making rules for yourself around food as a way to not binge or as a way to eat properly, as a way to help yourself. Now, I interviewed him and he is going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So keep an ear out for that. I'm not quite sure the episode number I would tell you, but I don't know it for sure. But keep an ear out for that because I interviewed him for Hypnotize Me as well because I think his program is really amazing. And you can find his whole book for free at neverbingeagain.com. And he has so many resources you can download. So I downloaded his book and I made a couple of rules to test out whether this was going to work for me. And the first rule I made was no sugary drinks before 2 p.m. Because I was finding I was drinking like Gatorade in the morning or I'd go by Starbucks and they're just loaded with sugar. And so I was like, okay, no sugary drinks before 2 p.m. And I found I could implement that rule really well. So then I made another and I made a handful of rules and it really worked. And then I signed up for his coaching program and it really helped me stay grain free because one of the rules I made was I will never consciously and purposefully eat grains again. Now I had some exceptions to those rules like vacation. And for me, the day of a holiday is an exception. And I thought, okay, I'll keep an eye on my antibody numbers and see if it affects it. And if it doesn't, I'll, I'll keep the exceptions. If it does, then I have to reconsider. Now, the other thing that Glenn talks about in his book 
is the big food industry. I really love this part of his book because he used to work for the big food industry and he saw how they would take nutrition out of products to make it more tasty and how they really manipulated the food product, quote unquote, so that people would go back and back and back for more. This is a big, huge piece that I hope you understand because I don't feel that people are at fault for their weight. I really don't. I don't feel I was at fault for my weight. I do believe we are manipulated by the food industry. I do believe that we do get addicted to carbohydrates that are not good for us. There are some carbs that are good for us, like vegetables and things like that. But we get addicted to carbs that are not good for us. And this is done on purpose by the food industry. All the advertisements they run, they know they're manipulating our psychology to want that. And even the deeper beliefs, those beliefs you didn't develop on your own consciously and purposely, those beliefs are there and who knows how they got formed. But once you gain this awareness, you can go in, change your beliefs, absolutely, and then act with awareness when you're buying food, when you're deciding how to feed yourself, when you're deciding to step out of the big food industry. There are several doctors, or I listen to their podcasts, and they think carbs are really truly like an addiction. Like there should be a 12-step program for carb addicts, okay? <laughs> like seriously. Now, some people refer will refer to this as sugar addiction, but that never resonated with me actually because I really liked the salty stuff and that doesn't feel like sugar to me. Even though in the body, they're converting to sugar. And so that's why people say it's a sugar addiction. And a lot of those products are loaded with sugar too. But another thing going on in the body is when you're eating a high level of carbs, your body wants more of that. Okay. So you have about a two to three, maybe a four hour cycle to where you need to eat again. You need to eat more carbs again. And that's some of the chemistry of the body. When you begin to break a carb addiction, meaning that you go under about 150 net carbs a day, that's considered low carb, okay? very low carb, which is considered keto. Some people will say it's below 50 net carbs a day. Other people will say it's below 20 net carbs a day. Now, when I went grain-free, it was very easy to get under 150 carbs a day, like very easy, because the high-carb foods are mostly generated from grains. So then I dropped it to 50, and then I discovered keto where people were below 20. That doesn't work for me so well. I end up getting rashes and stuff. So I keep it between 20 and 50. Some days I'm below 20. But the whole reason I bring this up is that I discovered this whole new world where people lost weight and kept it off for years, like four years, five years, 10 years. Lots of people, not just like a couple, okay? When you go to Weight Watchers, they'll tell you about, you know, their superstars that have lost over 100 pounds and kept it off. But it tends to be the exception when you look at the actual statistics of Weight Watchers. People go back and do that program over and over because they gain the weight back. Because Weight Watchers, one, doesn't talk about emotional stuff. I didn't find when I was in it. And two, emphasizes low fat 
really in their program. Their whole point is around being low fat. And when you start to look into the science, low fat doesn't work. The U.S. has just gotten fatter and fatter and more and more diseased, more and more heart attack, more and more cancer. And if you really want to look into the whole science of how this low fat dietary recommendations came down from our government, then you can read The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Ticholtz, T-E-I-C-H-O-L-Z. She looks into the actual research behind it. And let me tell you, it is scary. When I read that book, I just sat there and said, oh my God, the whole time, like the whole time, how there's no science even behind feeding children a low-fat diet, which has evolved over the years and is actually awful for them. Awful. It decreases their height. It creates all kinds of metabolic problems. It's really bad. And I bought into that because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. There's also the obesity code by Dr. Jason Fung. All of these are in the show description and the show notes. So I have links to all of these books if you want to read them. The Big Fat Surprise, she talks about how these guidelines got developed and the research behind them and how it was never really proven that this was good for us. And I will say that I have an extremely different opinion now from reading these books and from being in these groups and from doing research on keto. I think I read uh, like eight books last year on low-carb, high-fat diets, moderate protein. So it's not a high-protein diet, it's moderate protein. Dr. Jason Fung has been extremely influential in this area, and he writes the obesity code and the diabetes code. Now, he's a big fan of fasting, but he's also a fan of low-carb, high-fat when you're not fasting. But he explains in those books very well the science behind diabetes and how to come out of diabetes. So this was a big, huge surprise to me too, that when I went low carb, high fat, I moved out of the pre-diabetic range. My doctor had said, oh, don't worry about it. You're never going to tip into diabetes, which is not true. Like usually it's progressive disease and there's nothing you can really do about it. That is completely false, completely false. There is tons of things you can do about it. So all of a sudden I discovered this world where person after person had said, I came off all of my diabetes medication and my high blood pressure medication. Often people will go on diabetes medication and then it causes high blood pressure, which is why they get put on high blood pressure medication. So you solve one, you solve the other. So I feel like these are the people that researchers should be looking at. These people are incredible. And do some of them relapse? Yeah, Um, obviously there's some people who like sort of fall off the wagon, go back to eating high carb, and then they come back because they feel so bad eating high carb. You get into this whole like mood swings too. There's so many posts by people who say, okay, when I eat low carb, high fat, my mood swings go away. My anxiety goes away. Like a lot of psychological disorders seem to disappear when people change their diet into this way of eating. So that has been a big surprise for me too. Basically, the calories in, calories out model has failed. The calories in, calories out model is like, oh, you want to lose weight, you got to reduce your calories. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to eat low fat because fat has a lot of calories in it. This model has failed. People cannot sustain that because fat is involved in feeling full. 
I don't mean to target Weight Watchers. There's a lot of diets that say the same stuff, but they'll say like, oh, you can eat all the carrots and salad you want. One, who wants to eat that much salad? <laughs> okay, but two, you're never going to feel full that way ever. Of course, you can eat all the salad you want. You're never going to feel full, okay? And you're just going to feel like you're starving actually is how most people feel on, on diets that recommend that type of model versus being able to eat, feel full, and then not eat again for like six hours, your body becomes fat adapted. And what that means is that instead of burning sugar, i.e. carbohydrates for fuel, it begins to burn fat stores for fuel. Now, if you need to lose weight, it's a great way to lose weight. Your body's burning fat stores. But the main advantage of that is that you don't feel hungry all the time when it does that. When you have a sugar response, you just want to eat more and more. When you're fat adapted, you don't want to do that. Truly, you're full. So suddenly for me, I found I was craving salad and avocados and coconut milk with chia seeds, heavy whipping cream, like the good fats for you. I'm sharing this because I think it may help somebody out there. But this is an incredible world with lots of support, huge amounts of success cases, I have no idea why the researchers aren't looking at them. But again, you have to find what works for you. If this doesn't work for you, don't even think about it again. Let me go back to the beginning here and summarize a little bit. I started with reading books about hypothyroid, talking to my doctor, running the correct tests, and getting on the right medication. I don't think any of my weight loss is up to 45 pounds now. None of that would have worked if I wasn't on the proper medication. I really believe that. But let's say all your labs are good and you're miserable still. Start with hypnosis. Change the beliefs underneath that are destroying you, that somehow you're not worth it or you're hurting yourself every time you're eating. Start with those. Consider the low-carb, high-fat way of eating. Do your own research around it. And again, I put resources there in the show notes. The other piece of this that you might want to consider is the fasting piece. So I was low carb, high fat for four or five months. And then I discovered fasting and this has helped lower my A1C even more. A1C is what they use to measure whether you're pre-diabetic, diabetic, not diabetic. And in Dr. Fun's books, he explains how to reduce insulin resistance and become more insulin sensitive with fasting. Now, fasting is real trendy right now. Take a look at it though, because people have fasted for thousands of years, religiously, due to food shortages, war, all kinds of stuff. It's not as trendy as you think. And really, if your goal is to increase your insulin sensitivity, diabetes is a disease of insulin resistance. When you have insulin resistance, it's very difficult for you to lose weight. Dr. Fung talks about how to reverse that so that you're more insulin sensitive and so that then you can lose weight and then take yourself out of all these risk categories and feel better about yourself, feel more hopeful. Now don't get scared by that term. For some people that just means like skipping breakfast. That's what fasting is for them. Okay, other people they do longer, more extended fasts. Let's say they skip a whole day of eating or some people do like five to seven days or something like that. But it can be as simple as just skipping breakfast. 
and stop snacking and stop eating at seven o'clock at night or something like that. You know, again, this is where Never Binge Again comes in, the free ebook around rules. If you're just going to start small and you're saying, okay, I'm not going to eat after 7 p.m. at night anymore, you need a rule around that, right? You need some support around it. At least I do. I know I do, <laughs> right? Maybe you don't, but um, chances are if you listen to this to the end, you probably do too. And from all the research I've done, it's much easier to fast if you are fat adapted already. If you are not craving carbs, if you have broken that addiction, it is much easier to fast. I heard a low carb doctor interviewed and he said snacking is an emotional event, not a hunger event. I think that's a little extreme. And that's true if you're fat adapted. Okay? But I don't think that's true if you're addicted to carbs. If you're addicted to carbs, then snacking feels like a have to, to you. Like I have to eat something. Oh my gosh, you know, my blood sugar is dropping. I'm getting dizzy, whatever. I have to eat something. I have to eat another carb. When you're fat adapted, that all pretty much goes away. And then it does become an emotional event. And if that's the case for you, again, get some psychological help with that, right? Either see a therapist, do hypnosis, whatever it is, to be able to help yourself. So what are my top points here? If it's a medical problem, figure that out. It's important. Use hypnosis to help you value yourself at a deep level. Heal the old wounds, subconscious beliefs about health and weight, and overcome overeating if that's an issue. Oh, here's a story I forgot. I had lost about 30 pounds and was sort of hitting a stall. And I saw my mentor again, and I said to her, I know something psychological is happening here. And she said, okay, let's do some hypnosis. For me, it turned out that I was equating being fit with dying because my father was always fit, watched what he ate, exercised regularly, a very high energy person, but yet he died at 53. So she cleared that for me. It was a psychological block for me. As long as I'm not fit, I won't die. That's somehow what I concluded when I was 18, when he passed away, right? And that had been holding me back for years and years. And once she cleared that with hypnosis, then again, the weight started to drop again. So use hypnosis. Yes, I do hypnosis. I do it all over the world, all over the US for weight loss. We do it online, through the phone, people fly in. I do it all kinds of ways. And check out my website, see if I'm running an online group because those are coming up. I'm going to run them on various topics. So just check out and see if I'm running one for weight loss. That's a, a wonderful way to get started on your own journey. Third point is find what works for you. If this whole low-carb, high-fat fasting stuff doesn't work for you, don't do it. Find something that you feel like you can maintain over the long haul, really. If what you're doing is not working, you always gain the weight back regardless, whether it's Medifast or weight loss drugs or Weight Watchers or whatever, I truly get it. I do. I've been there. Fat and frustrated and just looking for solutions. If that's you, then consider hypnosis and then a low-carb, high-fat diet or fasting and find a doctor that'll work with you. Type 2 diabetes can be reversed, but obviously if you're on medication, you need to work with your doctor around it. And the end result of this is that most people I've talked to and for myself included, you feel better. You feel more like yourself again. I look 
more like myself again. I feel good or the airplane. And before I go, check out other episodes in this series. If you're listening to this when it first airs, those are coming up. Okay. I'm doing four or five on weight loss and they're all grouped. So it's episodes 149, 150, 151, 152, right around there. Okay. In the 150s. And finally, consider the hypnosis for mindful eating download on my website. People absolutely love that download. And you compare it with love to exercise. If you want to do that, both of those are on there. Love to exercise and hypnosis for mindful eating. And finally, know that you're worth it. You truly are. There are probably people in the world who love you and want you to live and want you to live more happily and want you to feel good. Chances are. So come from that stance. I'm worth it. And I'm going to work on feeling like I'm worth it and changing those beliefs that I'm worth it. Hey, that is my real message to you today. Peace. I hope you truly enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis.